by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. I get excited about Resurrection Day. I get excited because this proves he is who he says he was. Everything that he says I know is true because nobody ever went into the grave and on the third day said, I'm going to get back up and did. He is who he says he is. And you know what else? You know what he said in John 14, 19? He said, because I live, you shall live also. So I'm not just here celebrating his resurrection, although that's plenty enough reason to celebrate. I'm celebrating my resurrection. And I'm here today to celebrate with you your resurrection. And if you're here today and you say, I don't know nothing about a resurrection, you will before you leave and we'll be celebrating at the end at your resurrection. So get your expectors in the right place today because God is excited that you're here. He's glad you came. Say thank you, Jesus. Mm, mm. Well, Every year about this time since I've been saved, you know, you call it Holy Week, the, the week leading up to Easter Sunday. I, I get to thinking about each day and what happened in the Bible and, and when Jesus was here. When he, it started out good, didn't it? He rode in on a donkey and they was putting palm branches. What do they call it? Palm Sunday? They were laying palms down in front of his donkey and their coats and everything and saying, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they were shouting and praising they thought he was the Messiah, and they were right. And it started out pretty good. I didn't understand his mode of transportation too much, I mean, the donkey. But, you know, that was just showing his, he's a king with humility. And so he comes riding into town, and everything's looking good, but it didn't take long. He cleansed the temple. He starts getting into it with the religious leaders of the day, and he still is today getting into it with the religious people that just say the law, the law, the law. He's trying to show him grace. He's trying to show. You know, Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. We ought to study Jesus because you want to know what, how God is, you look at Jesus. So he was arguing with the, the religious folks and stuff. And that's just like kicking a hornet's nest. Have you found that to be true? I found it to be most true. I wrote down everything that happened that week or some of it that I can get to. But I'm going to tell you, by the time they got to the Last Supper, the, the tide had turned against Jesus. He arranges to have his Last Supper, which is called the Passover meal. That's what they were in Jerusalem to celebrate, the Passover, when, when they put the blood on the doorpost and the death angel passed over, right? And so Jesus arranged to eat a last meal, the Passover meal, with his disciples. And can you imagine eating the Passover meal with the Passover lamb himself. Some of you don't maybe have enough biblical history to get that, but it's pretty awesome. He told them how to love one another. He got down on his knees and washed his disciples' feet. They sang a song. But by this time in the week, one of his own disciples 
had already sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. Things were turning quickly. He goes to the garden. I'm not even going to try to say that name. I always mess it up. Y'all want me to try? The Garden of Gethsemane. <laughs> I can't never get it. I'll sit here for 30 minutes trying. Gethsemane. Gethsemane. You know what I'm talking about. So they go to the garden, you know. And Jesus asks his disciples to pray. They keep falling asleep. You know, because the Spirit's willing, Jesus said, but the flesh is weak. How many has experienced that? How many in here got good intentions to do everything God wants you to do while you're down here on earth? You just want to be pleased and you want your life to count. I know you do. But that flesh is weak. Boy, we live in this flesh. It's that sin nature that's still robbing us of the hope that God would have for our lives. Robbing us of being the person, the kind of person that our hearts want to be but just can't seem to be. But God will make a way. Jesus, he was sweating great drops of blood by this time. He knew what was about to happen. He knew what was coming. He was in great agony, the Bible says. And, and he prayed and, and his flesh was like... You know, he was fully God and fully man at the same time. And the fully man part was like he was praying to his father saying, God, you know, if there be another way. And the Bible doesn't record that the father said anything. or, But I can just picture in my mind that the father reached down and whispered to Jesus, Jesus, remember, you are the way. Remember, you just told your disciples at the Last Supper in John 14, 16 that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to me but through you, Jesus. And Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So Jesus is betrayed before long. His head disciple, the one he put the most trust in Peter has denied him three times that he even knows him. Man, I'm, think, I'm telling you, things are going south. The people who were yelling, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now they're shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And Pontius Pilate, the guy that's in charge of what goes on, the Roman, he's like, three times he says, I find like this guy ain't done nothing wrong. I find him innocent. But yet they're crucifying him. He's like, look, let me release unto you Barabbas, this murderer. No, let me release unto you Jesus. And they, they say, no, we want the, the murderer Barabbas. So they release the murderer and they crucify their king. He carries my cross to Golgotha, also called the Hill of Calvary. And I say my cross because it was my sins that he was bearing. They lay him out on that cross and they put nails in his hands and in his feet and they lift him up. And can you imagine the one who created it all, the creator of the universe, came to the earth that he created and we crucified him. And now God himself is hanging on a tree, suspended between a holy father and a sinful people, making himself the bridge 
to eternal life. And what is the first words that comes out of his mouth? Thank you, Jason. He looks down from the cross to the people who are mocking him. Come down from there if you be the son of God. From the ones who had just drove those nails into his hands and feet. And he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And what I say, Jesus was the visible image of the invisible God. So what do you see about God's character there? What does he want for us? He wants to forgive us. No matter what you've done, he wants to forgive you. That is his heart, is to forgive. But he's hanging there now. And it's like all the earth wants to rebel. I mean, can you imagine the angels wincing in heaven and looking down saying, I can't. The Lord is on the cross down. What have they done to God? And the earth itself groans. And even the sun won't give its light and it goes dark. And before it's over, the earth would quake and the stones would split apart. The earth knew that this wasn't right. All of creation knew this wasn't right. And the angels are saying, did we miss a meeting or something on this? I didn't see that coming. But it was for a, a cause, you see. And God knew from the beginning that he would be the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. You see, God is a holy and a just God. And he said that the wages of sin is death, and that, that sticks no matter what. Somebody's got to pay the wages of sin. And God knew that it was either you going to pay for it in all eternity in hell for the, the wages of death or sin. But Jesus said, I'll go and pay it for him. And he could only do that because he was without sin. And he, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that, that he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, in Christ Jesus. You see, the nails were tough. The scourge that he had on his back was tough. The pulling out of his beard, the crown of thorns, everything he had suffered, the humiliation was tough. But now, my sin was being poured out on him. He was feeling the darkness of my depravity. And then the wrath of God that was supposed to be mine was put on him. So much that his, his human nature cried out, My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? For the first time, Jesus felt alone. He had always been with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. They'd never been separated. But he felt alone because the Father had to turn his back on the sin and punish it. And he who knew no sin became sin for us. And they laid him in a borrowed tomb. But before they did, he said, it is finished. What does that mean? It is finished. The work that he came to do. He came to destroy sin. He came to seek and save those that are lost. 
He said, it is finished. In 2 Corinthians, it also says that God is not up there holding our sins against us. Why? Because the sin debt is paid. And many years, that might throw some of your uh, theological reasoning off. Well, wait a minute. You, I thought we'd go to hell if, we, if we're sinners. No, we go to hell because we reject the pardon written in the blood of Jesus Christ. We all have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus or no to Jesus. It's not your sin that sends you. It's your refusal to receive your forgiveness. So, we have to all make that decision, don't we? So they put him in a borrowed tomb. We get to Saturday. You know, yesterday was Saturday, right? I went outside and I just listened. I listened to see if any birds were chirping because it's just so real to me each holy week. I just go through the motions of what Jesus, I just think about every day what he did. And it just seems like on that Saturday that God is in a tomb that the birds wouldn't be chirping to me. I, I went out and I actually listened yesterday and I heard some birds chirping, I guess. But I don't believe on that Saturday you would have heard a sound. I believe it was just so silent. That God was in a tomb. It seemed like all was lost. Everything had fallen apart. The disciples on the road to Damascus, they were saying, we thought he was the Messiah. His own disciples are hiding out in fear. They had run for their own lives. They had, everyone had forsaken him. Everyone had given up on him. Everyone was changing what, their mind about what they thought about Jesus. But then early on Sunday morning, I bet the birds were starting to chirp then, wasn't they? Early in the morning. When the women went to the tomb, you see, they had the balming and the spices and stuff. They were going to try to keep him from stinking. The Lord's dead. Let's go see if we can do something about the smell. But you see, the Bible had already said that he will not suffer his holy one to see decay. There was no decay going on. Because early that Sunday morning, the angel rolled away the stone and Jesus was risen to life again. Amen? Come on, somebody. Give him a, a hand clap of praise. He defeated death, hell, and the grave for you and me. Where there was once darkness and death, there is now light and life. And isn't that the case in your life? Before and after Jesus, I was walking in darkness and despair and death, and I was going the wrong direction. And then I met Jesus, and there was a resurrection took place in my heart, and now there's life, and there's light, and there's hope again. And there's peace at night when I go to sleep, knowing I'm right with, with creation, right with my God. Oh, this resurrection celebration is for you too. This is a celebration of your new life, of your new direction, of your eternal life. Man, I'm so glad. I, know, I knew some of y'all before you got saved, and I'm so thankful that I know that you're going to heaven now, that you have an eternal home. And I'm so thankful I see what God is doing in your life on the journey. Amen? Amen. Death is defeated. The king is alive. 
In John eleven twenty five, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He didn't say, I had a resurrection and I'm alive. He said, I am the resurrection. Resurrection isn't an event, you see. Resurrection is a person. Unless you know Jesus, there is no resurrection in your life. He said, I'm the life. No Jesus, no life. You, you say, well, wait, wait a minute, Pastor. Now, what are you talking about? I'm alive. What are you talking about, Willis? You say, my heart's beating. I'm breathing right now. Let me just say this. You living in that little earth suit on a, a borrowed battery that's about to go out. You may get 90 years out of it or so, right? But what about after that? You, you see, the eternal life that God came to give is your spirit, and your spirit's either one way or the other. It's alive or it's dead. It's dead in sin and trespasses because you hadn't received forgiveness, or it's alive unto God because you have. And it's the eternal part of you. It's the eternal battery that will never fade. That will carry you through. If when you die in this old earth suit without having the eternal life in your heart, you put in the grave and that's it. You're eternally separated from life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I mean, that's a bold statement, but somebody come back from the dead, I'm liable to believe them. Now, let me, let me ask you this. If Jesus is life, and he said present tense, I am, he's life right now. He's your life right now. If he is life, and you over here trying to hide from Jesus, I don't know about that Jesus. Let me do my thing. I'm coming over. You know, I don't want him to know what I'm doing. He knows. But you're going in this direction. If you're going away from life, what are you going towards? If you're hiding from light, where are you at? He is your life. You say, I hear all these people love Jesus so much. I don't understand it. You don't know him. You never met him. He's, never, he's not come into your heart and become your friend, your personal savior, you don't have a personal relationship with life. You will come to understand that he is the way, the truth, and the life. life. And your, your life that you're experiencing right now, you say, well, I'm pretty happy. No, you're not. Not apart from Jesus. You're anxious. You're, you're worried. You're stressed out. This world's killing you. Day by day. telling you there's a better way because he's the way I don't know why I keep going back to okay so are you going to heaven I hear some absolutely's out there but I also imagine there's some people thinking I think so I think I am some of them saying I hope I am and some of you just saying no nah, I ain't going Some of you being honest. But the good news is we're not like 
You know, Christianity is the true religion. Our God is the one true God. All those other many roads to heaven they talk about, that, those are cults and lies. Devices of the enemy. They're all telling you, if you're a good enough person, man, you, you can make it to heaven. If you're good enough. You never know. You just hope. They're just stringing you along like a, you know, the devil gets a carrot and you, you're trying to follow him around. Oh, I want to be good enough to make it to heaven. It's like that commercial. What's that insurance commercial where he got the dollar bill on the fishing pole? <laughs> He's getting the guy. What, is that? what do they say in that commercial? Anybody know? Have to be faster than that. Yeah. Look, if you got a I hope so religion, if you don't know, you don't go. I, I'm not... I started to say I, I hate to be the one to tell you, but I'm glad to be the one to tell you. If you don't know that you have eternal life, you don't have it. You say, well, that's an, another bold statement. You're just saying a lot of stuff, Pastor. Well, let me show you in the Word of God, okay? Let's go to 1 John chapter 5. We'll start in verse 11. I'm going to back this up. When I say, if you don't know that you have eternal life, if you don't know you're going to heaven, then you don't go to heaven. Because there's been a, a failure in your, in your theology somewhere. 1 John 5.11 says, And this is what God testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Isn't that what I said earlier? Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may what? So that you may know you have eternal life. God doesn't want you guessing. It is your faith. It is by faith, by grace, through faith that you're saved. So if you don't know, then you don't have the faith to receive it. You know because you have faith that... See, what happens is, the moment I made Jesus the Lord of my life, and I, I repented of my sins, I came to him and said, be the Lord of my life, I will follow you. He sent his spirit into my heart. And you know what his spirit did? It, it brought that eternal life. It brought my dead spirit back to life. It gave me eternal life. You know what it also did? It bore witness with my human spirit that I am a child of God. His spirit bears witness with my spirit that I am a child of God. I know and it also, it says his spirit, he sends his spirit into your heart crying, Abba, Father, Daddy. He said, in Romans 8, he says he adopts us into his family. We're not orphans. We're not just saved and I'll see you when you get here. You can be my servants. No. Adopted and brought into God's own family as his own children. And I know that I know, as Brother Tom often says in the jailhouse every Sunday night, that if this building crashed in on me right now and I died, I know where I would go. Now, for some of the, you, that might be a little spooky situation, but hold on, because you can be saved too. Everybody, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What does it say here? Who believe in the name of the Son of God. What's his name? Do you believe in Jesus? Are you willing to repent of your sins and give your life to him? That's what you do if you believe. 
We're saved by God's grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. I'm just preaching the gospel. Now, let me slow down. I'm having a good time. Are you having a good time? Hold on, I'll get you out of here. Some of you saying this is longer than church. I don't know. Look, I'm excited because my Jesus snatches victory out of the jaws of defeat. He always does. And he's going to do it for your life. I believe that. I've been praying that all week. That you come through those doors, it was for a reason. I mean, you may feel like Moses with your back up against the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army bearing down on you. And you got a bunch of sheep with you that don't have any weapons to fight with. And they're all complaining. Why'd you bring us out here to die? Moses, what did he say? He said, shut up and watch what God's going to do. And God opened that Red Sea, and they walked through on dry ground. And when the enemy came to chase them through the Red Sea, what did God do? Closed it up on them and destroyed the enemy. I'm telling you, my God snatches victory out of the jaws of defeat every time. There's a story of David in the Bible before he became king. And him and his men had doing out whatever his, him and his men did. They went on a raid or something. They come back, and somebody had raided their village and took their women and children and all their stuff. And the men started wailing and moaning because they had lost their wives and their children, and they began to blame David. And David lost his wife and children and his stuff too. And he could have said, oh, yeah, yeah, what was us? Just go ahead and stone me. But David had a different spirit, and David stirred himself up in the Lord. He said, Lord, can we go get our stuff? And God said, certainly. And so the courage of that one man to stand up, he rallied the troops that were ready to stone him, and they went and they, they got their stuff back. They found, they found the camp of the Amalekites, I think it was, and they, they destroyed the Amalekites, got their stuff, got their women and children back, and it wasn't a couple weeks later that David was made king all of, over all of Israel. So you're talking about a God who can take a man that was about to be stoned and make him king within a couple of weeks. If you just stir yourselves up in the things of God, you, get, you stir yourself up over football and over golf and everything else, you stir, you going camping and fishing and hunting and all the things of this world. How about we stir our thing, ourselves up over something that matters in this world? Some of you are saying, but oh, you don't know my story. You don't know my story. God don't want me. You feel like the prodigal son. Look, I, I live the story of the prodigal son myself. You say, what's the story of the prodigal son? Well, the prodigal son, was when he was a young man, he went to his dad, had a big old place, you know, nice stuff. And he told his dad, I want my inheritance now. I, I want to do what I want to. And so the dad Gave him what he wanted. Do you know God gives you free will to choose? He won't stop you from being an idiot. He didn't stop me, boy. I'm telling my story, not on you, okay? <laughs> he got his stuff, his dad's inheritance, and he went out and he lived, lived a riotous life, it said. He's Spent it on prostitutes and getting drunk and partying it up, you know, just living a big time. Which one of us didn't do that? Very few. Most of us have had the experience of being a prodigal to go out and just, I want mine now. I'm not thinking about heaven. I'm not thinking about 
you know, eternal things. I'm thinking about now. I want fun. I want fulfillment. And we we searching for love in all the wrong places. Like that country song, looking for love. We're looking for love in all the wrong places. But you know what happened? A famine came around. And by that time, he had spent up all the inheritance. He didn't have any money left. And all the friends he thought he had when he ran out of money, they were gone too. That's the kind of friends we build in the world. It's been my experience. So this good kosher Jewish boy has to find a job out there in this world. And the only thing he can find is working for a pig farmer. Not very kosher. He's out there slopping the pigs, and he's looking down at the pig pods and thinking, hmm, that looks good. But the master wouldn't even let him eat the pig pods. And then one day, you know what he did? He finally came to the end of himself. And when I was 32, that's what I did. I finally got to the end of myself. I said, I just, this ain't, I can't do this no more. And I did the same thing that young man did. He said, you know what? Even in my father's house, even the servants eat good. He treats even the servants good. He said, I'm going to go back and I'm going to say, God, I've sinned against you and against heaven. Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven. And, and, and I know I'm not worthy. And he had his speech already. But when he was on the way back, it said the father already saw him and ran to him. And I'm telling you, the father sees you right now. But you've made this step to come here today. You know what he wants to do? He wants to run to you, and he wants to put a robe on your shoulders. He, he hugged the young boy who had embarrassed him so and spent his inheritance, spent his money up. But what, what, is, the, what is the heart of the father? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You think you're the first one to run off and... Spend your life in riotous living. You think you're the first one? You might be the first one that didn't, but <laughs> I think we, we have all experienced this. But the father's reaction was to put a robe of righteousness back on his shoulders. To put the family signet ring on his finger. Symbolizing that you have authority in the family of God. And he put new shoes on his feet, symbolizing new purpose in his life. He said, quick, kill the fatted calf. We got a party. My son was, once was dead, but now he's alive. He's resurrected. Like the song says, he once was blind, but now he sees. He once was lost, but now he's found. You see, God is a God of the resurrection. God is a God of the turnaround. God will take your situation. He'll blow your mind. Because his heart is so different than the devil tells you it is. His heart is to forgive. Some of you here have served the Lord and now you're backslidden and you, 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 the devil's just telling you, yeah, you done messed up, you done got so far away, you might as well not even go to church. You stop going to church. You the devil's just a... He's a liar. And he's the father of all lies. And he'd been lying to so many people. God is quick to forgive. Quick to bring you back into the fold. Quick to put that robe of righteousness back on your shoulders where it belongs. And you start living the purpose that those sandals were made for. You start stepping with God, walking with God again. 
Start partying it up and living and having joy in your life again. That's what God wants for you. Some of you maybe have fallen worse than that. You just, you don't even know how you got here today. You drug in. You're dead on the inside spiritually. You're dead. You're mentally, you're just worn out. I, I can't take no more of this. And I ain't got nothing to offer God. God don't want me. You're like the thief on the cross next to Jesus. You've been railing on Jesus. Yeah, if you're the son of man, come down from there. Won't you show what you can do? You've just been mocking God and the things of God. But somewhere along the line, that thief looked over and, and he came to the end of himself, to his pride, and he, he thought to himself, this guy really ain't done nothing wrong. He ain't, I guess the love emanating from Jesus next door here. He, he finally came to himself and he told the, other, the thief, he, he said, just shut up, man. This dude ain't done nothing wrong. Me and you, we're getting what we deserve. But this guy ain't done nothing. And this thief wasn't going to have time to come down and get water baptized, you understand? He wasn't going to have time to come down and to make amends with all the people he hurt in his life. He wasn't going to have time. This thief is at the very doorway of hell and the door is, a, is about to be opened. He has nothing to offer Jesus but his faith. He turned and said, Jesus, would you remember me? That proved that he had enough faith to believe he could be with him in paradise. And Jesus said, today you will. Jesus just needs your faith. He just needs your want to. That's all he's ever wanted from you. The devil and the religious of today and the religious demons of today want you to think this about the law, the law, the law. It was those who were under the law who crucified the Lord of glory. Mm. Then old Lazarus, Lazarus was Jesus' friend, but he died. They told Jesus that Lazarus was sick, but Jesus took his time, you know, because he, he had it all planned out, I guess. By the time he got there, Lazarus had been dead for four days. And Mary and Martha, that was their brother, they both came to Jesus and they said, if you'd have been here, we know you... We know that you could have saved him. We know that you could have healed him. He wouldn't have died. And that's when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. That's who he told that to. But you know what he did? He went to the tomb. It says he wept. Jesus wept. You think Jesus don't care about your situation? This man's dead and Jesus is weeping. I wonder if, how much he was weeping for Lazarus because he knew he was fixing to bring him back from the dead. Maybe he's just tenderhearted. Or maybe, maybe he was weeping because everybody else didn't believe that he was, what he was fixing to do. He weeps for, over our lack of faith and trust in him. God is after faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. He wants you to believe in him. He said, roll away the stone. Martha said, Whoa, wait a minute. Jesus, you wasn't here, but he'd been dead four days. By now, he stinketh. 
And they were all like, whoa, Jesus, come on now, come on now. I mean, if, if you'd have been here, but now he's been dead four days. And some of you think your, your situation is dead and stinking and that God don't want to resurrect you. But they rolled away the stone reluctantly probably. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Now can you imagine being in that tomb when that man opened his eyes? Lazarus come. Jesus is calling him. There's, there's a light shining into the tomb now. There's an open doorway. And he's being called into the light. Come forth. He's like, well, I don't know. I got all these grave clothes on. They might laugh at me. You know, I don't know. Some of you don't know. Some of you didn't want to come today because you're thinking, you, I'm not dressed right. You know, they're going to they're gonna recognize me as a sinner. They're going to think this about me. People don't know about your situation. You don't have to worry about what people think. And if anybody in here is worried about they just care. They want to help you, not to condemn you. Jesus himself said, I didn't come into the world to, to uh, judge the world, but to condemn the world, that, but the world might be saved. Remember, he's the one that says, Father, forgive them. Lazarus did the right thing. He got up off that bench, and he had all these grave clothes on. You know, they had their burial. He's looking like a mummy, you know, and he hops out into the light. And everybody's like, oh. They couldn't believe it. And Jesus says, loose him and let him go. And they sent some disciples over there, and they began to unwrap the grave clothes off his life. The stinking thinking, all the stuff, the lies that the devil had believed, all the things that began to stink in his life. And it, listen, if you will come out today, if you will come forth to Jesus today, he will unwrap you. You don't have to unwrap yourself before you get there. If you're dead, you can't unwrap yourself. You understand that? But if you'll get hooked up with the church, you'll get in your Bible, you'll begin to develop a personal relationship with Jesus, man, those layers of death and destruction in your life, those, man, somebody help me. He, uh, Lazarus' resurrection was, you know, just for a time because he just was bodily resurrected. But our resurrection is eternal because Jesus has already, already been resurrected, you understand? So the question that I have for you today is do you have the courage to come forth? Or are you going to stay in the tomb? Let me show you something in Colossians 3, verse 2. Colossians 3, verse 2 says, Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. It'll do you some good to get off the, the social media and the the news it'll do you some good to begin to think about things that matter you're not a chicken pecking around in the dust you're supposed to be an eagle soaring high above you're supposed to see things from a different perspective God wants you to open the eyes of your understanding today that you might know what is the hope of your calling the Bible says 
So think about things of heaven, not the things of the earth. For you died to this life. Now, he's talking to Christians. You see, and, 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 and maybe he's talking to some Christians today. You remember you were supposed to die to this life, this world's way of doing things, this corrupt system down here? But now you then got kind of in the middle of it. But he says, remember, when you came to me, you died to this life, and your real life, say real life, is hidden with Christ in God. Could it be possible that, yes, you're living, you're breathing, and you got your own situations. Maybe you're even doing some good things. Maybe you're okay. But it, could it be possible that you're not living your real life? The life that God intended from you when he wove you together in your mother's womb. The purpose that he had. You're not going to find fulfillment in this world, I can promise you. I've been there, done that. The only way that you're going to be made whole is by the one who created you. He knows the plans that he has for you. And they're good to give you a hope and a future. He loves you. He wants to forgive you. There's no barrier except between your ears. There's nothing between you and Jesus but except what's in between your ears and your stubborn, rebellious heart. If you will come forth, God will unwrap you. And he said, loose him and let him go. Let him be free for he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Do you understand what I'm talking about? You can live your true life, your real life. You can experience life and life more abundantly. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Don't you want to walk in the light? When Jesus comes back, don't you want to be riding with him instead of against him? Yes, you do. Your hearts are stirred right now. Are you living your real life? Maybe you feel like Moses with your back up against the sea. Maybe you feel like the thief on the cross swinging on a thread out over the gates of hell. Maybe you, don't, you feel like the prodigal that you done messed up and maybe God don't want you to come back. All those are lies. God will make a way where there is no way and he is calling you forth. So right now, with every head up and every eye open, is there anybody with the courage to come forth? Jesus is calling your name saying, come forth. If you need to be saved, if you need to be right with God, if you need to make a public declaration that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, come up here and let me pray for you. There's usually one brave person that will break the ice and then everybody else will come on. Is God touching your heart to be that person right now? Maybe you're a Christian and, and, and you've fallen away from the Lord. And you feel like, oh man, I done got back into sin. He's quick to forgive. He's slow to anger. He's willing. He's, he's looking from the porch to see when you'll come forth, to see when you'll come home. So come on. Come forth. Let me pray for you. Let's, let's let God do what he intended to do when you came here this morning. It's about time. Are you going to sit in the tomb? You're going to continue to stink? Your life stinks? Your situation stinks? You don't have any fulfillment? Come forth. I have the faith to believe that you will come forth 
Come forth. Come on. Welcome home, brother. Mm. Welcome home. Amen. How you doing? Y'all come up here. We're going to pray. Jason, you up here with us, or are you just coming in? Who else? Who else? Come on, let's not stop there. Today is the day of salvation. Come on, today is your day. Don't leave here saying, well, it could have been me. You don't know, you might be swinging out on that thread right now. You need to make it right with God. Come on. Come on down. You're the next contestant. <laughs> you say, this ain't the way I've done church before. It don't matter. What matters is what's in your heart. Do you want Jesus? What are you going to do with that Jesus? He is life and he is the resurrection. You're not going to go home and get, well, I'm going to get my life together. That ain't worked up to this point. And it won't work. He is the life. You have to come to him. I'm not saying you have to do it in front of the church. But you know, if you can't stand up in front of the church, you ain't going to stand up out there. Come on. Come forth. I'm pleading with you on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ as his representative. Come unto me, all ye that labor heavy laden, and I will give you rest. God bless you. Good to see you. I'm going to pray for all of them. It could be you. Come on, come on. Come forth. Hallelujah. You think Jesus doesn't see your heart right now? He doesn't know what courage it took for you to stand up in front of everybody today? You don't think the angels in heaven are rejoicing, not just in our service, but every service of a Christian church throughout this world? This is the day of resurrection. This is what's supposed to happen today. Anybody else? Before I pray. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Got a beautiful baby. Praise God. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. A shout of praise. God sees your heart, every one of you. He's so excited. You've, you've come forth. You've come forth. Now, I don't know if you came forth in response to a backslider or whether you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. We're going to pray a prayer together that will cover both of those, okay? Last call. Some of you been at too many last calls. <laughs> what does he want? He wants your faith. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to believe. And you do. You came here today and you've made this step, this commitment. 
I believe you had just walked out of the dark. I believe you had just taken a step out of the tomb today. This is the first day of the rest of your life. All things are new. All things are gone. Behold, all things are becoming new by the power of the Lord and the resurrection that is about to take place in your lives. Would you let, lift your hand and say, I will follow you, Jesus. Let's pray. Say, God, I believe that Jesus is Lord. Be my Savior, Jesus. Forgive my sins. I turn to you because I believe in you. I believe in your resurrection. And I want to follow you with all my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with understanding and purpose and direction in my life. I believe, according to your word, that I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I am forgiven because you're a God who forgives. You're a God of a new start. And I will follow you with all my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless. You can be seated. Woo! Ah! Praise God. Praise God. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.